Well, I'm not sure if you've heard of Riley Gaines. She's a 12-time All-American swimmer with five titles, was a successful female swimmer at University of Kentucky with ambitions to pursue a dental degree. But that postgraduate ambition and her entire life was changed when she was forced to share a locker room and then compete against a biological male at the 2022 NCAA Women's Swimming Championship. And she says biological men should not take opportunities for success in sports away from women and that biological men should not share locker rooms with women. I think we probably all agree with her, but let's check her out. So I listened to an interview that swimmer Riley Gaines did recently and I really wanted to share it with you because she discusses her experience with Leah Thomas and exposes some details of his life and the NCAA that you may not have known about. So I'm going to show you a couple of clips, but firstly, who is Riley Gaines? Yeah, at at UK, I proudly finished my career as a 12-time NCAA All-American. I tried out for the Olympics both in 2016 and 2020. I am a five-time SEC champion. Um, I'm actually an SEC record holder in the 200 Butterfly. Um, making me one of the fastest Americans of all time. Um, I was the SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year. I was the SEC Community Service Leader of the Year, to which I'm just really proud of all of those things, especially now looking back, realizing that I could not even remotely get in the pool for two hours. Okay, and uh, as I say, along came Leah Thomas, who was Will Thomas, and the incredible outcome on the podium at the end of a race. It was my senior year. Um, in about November of 2021, which is about the middle of our season, I had made it my goal to win a national title. And I, middle through of our season, I was ranked third in the nation behind one amazing female athlete who I was very familiar with because like most sports, your top tier athletes tend to know each other. Yep. yep. Um, but ranking first was a person I had never heard of before. And of course this name was Leah Thomas, but at the time, just looking at this on paper, it didn't really make much sense to me because this person was a senior and I'd never heard of them and came out of nowhere and was leading the nation by multiple seconds in multiple events ranging from the 100 free, which is a sprint, all the way to a mile, which is a distance event. And so typically, I mean, think of running. Yeah. Your fastest 200-meter runner is not going to be your fastest 5K runner. Yeah. yeah. And so there were so many red flags, but it never once occurred to me that this could be a man just because that was so far out of reach. Yeah. It's um, called common sense. Yeah, right? I know. And so a couple days after these nation-leading times were posted, um, an article was posted disclosing that Leah Thomas did, in fact, formerly swim on the men's team for three years. And so I'm reading this, and I'm like, wait, so this is a guy? And when I read this, I was shocked, of course, but I truthfully felt relieved because when you look up Will Thomas at this point, you can see that they were ranked 462nd at best yeah, couldn't cut it in, the in the men's division. And so seeing that on paper, I thought surely the NCAA wouldn't let this person compete with us. But of course, that's yeah. not what we saw. And so that first day at our NCAA championships, we all sat on the sidelines as Leah Thomas became the fastest female in the country, winning a national title in the 500 freestyle, um, beating out, I mean, Olympians, American record holders, the fastest females of all time and that next day was when Leah and I raced each other and we swam the 200 freestyle and crazily enough we tied 
So when we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second, which is pretty rare. Yeah. And so upon tying, I go behind the awards podium where they give you these like dinky little trophies and they parade you out. Um, but the NCAA official looks at me and says, great job, y'all tied. Um, the trophy goes to Leah. What? We'll eventually mail you yours. And so I kind of look at him and I'm, I quickly question him and I'm like, okay, I understand there's one trophy, don't account for ties, but what's your thought process on giving it to Leah? Why are you so adamant? And he said, well, for photo purposes, Leah has to have it. Wow. Yeah. And so obviously I knew what we were dealing with was wrong. What was happening was, I mean, it's wild. But it was at this moment that I realized not only were we being forced to compete against a man, 6'4", I mean the man, Yes. were we being forced to change in a locker room with a man, we were being sidelined to validate the feelings and the identity of a man. And it just felt like we were reduced to like a photo op. And so that's kind of when I took it upon myself to really become public with my stance and so many other stance. Incredible, isn't it? Uh, and... I don't know, did your ears prick up when you heard about the fact that they were, a biological male was changing in the locker room with the females? And Riley comments further on that. So, of course, we knew going into the meet we would be competing against each other. But we were not forewarned in any capacity that we would be sharing a locker room. And so the swimming locker room, um, it's not necessarily a place of modesty. You've grown up swimming, especially when you're at the elite level yeah. that we were. You put these suits on that are, like, skin tight. It takes, like, 15 minutes to put these suits on. So it's a process to which, of course, you have to be undressed. Um, but as a girl growing up in that environment, you become okay with being vulnerable in that situation because everyone there is in the same situation. And it's a place of chatter. You get to see your friends from all over the country who you haven't seen in so long. And so I was in the locker room, obviously putting my suit on, and all of a sudden it got dead silent. I turn around. I mean, this person's towering over every other person in the locker room, drops the clothes, full male, like a fully intact male with male genitalia. And almost subconsciously you just cover like Ooh, it's yeah. just a subconscious inherent feeling when you see a male with male parts watching you undress it was like at, I, I mean I was I thought I was missing something I thought am, is, am I like not grasping something why is no one talking about this why is a coach not sticking up for us why is someone within the NCAA why were we not warned we did yeah. not give our consent for this no one asked us. Talk coaches about protecting women yeah, That's coaches all exactly. didn't know about it parents didn't know about it it was completely just thrown it was just and so when i asked like how was is this allowed to happen i was given the answer that well they made the locker rooms unisex and so then i'm thinking okay any man can walk in yeah. any coach any any guy on the pool deck to which this was an all females meet so the only swimmers there were females but of course there's male officials, mm -hmm. there's male athletic trainers, there's male coaches. So any of them could have walked in at any given time. That's your rationale behind allowing Leah. So keep in mind, we're accommodating one person at the expense of everyone else exactly. at that meet. Exactly. It was just a mind-blowing like realization. And for, it still probably affects you to stay from a mental standpoint, I would think. Definitely. Well, I'm married. You know, my husband, he doesn't want me in that situation. No. My dad, he's a, a former NFL football player, a big old guy. He wanted to handle the situation himself, to which I told him, Dad, yeah. 
you can't come in the locker room and handle this. We already got one man in there. We don't need Ooh. to. Yeah. But even talking to one of Leah Thomas's teammates, to which I talked to today, actually, we keep in contact, she told me her in high school, she was actually sexually assaulted, to which she told her coaches before any of this really conspired with Leah. She, she told her coaches she was very vulnerable about, it, vulnerable about it because it was something that caused her anxiety. Um, to which she essentially said, we don't care, Leah's sharing a locker room with you. And she said, still to this day, she has nightmares. Disgusting. Wow. I mean, it's traumatic. It well, so these people are wow. sick. These it are truthfully sick. is Disgusting. traumatic. Yeah. Disgusting. It's incredible, isn't it? You can see why I uh, wanted to share this with you. And can you believe it? Women don't want to be in the same changing room as men. Who would have thought? So as a result of this experience, uh, Riley said it was time to stand up. Really, I've always been firm in my beliefs. Um, I've always been secure with myself. Um, I was raised extremely well by my parents. Um, I'm very strong in my faith. I just am someone, I'm a leader. Um, I was team captain for two years. I'm not someone who's going to falter from what I think. And so when this conspired especially with the trophy scenario and i it kind of hit me that no one was speaking up about this it hit me if we as female athletes aren't willing to speak up how can we expect someone else to speak up for us and so i decided to use my voice actually the daily wire was the first interview i ever did um to which of course it turned in i mean it blew up which i was not expecting I'm supposed to be in dental school this year. Um, that's where my life was going, and it's taken a totally different direction. So I've altered, I mean, my, my whole future, essentially, in using my platform and, my, and my, my voice because I know it's a disservice to not just myself but the other female athletes who are silenced, to which at the University of Kentucky I had phenomenal support, and I think that speaks volumes about my university and really the SEC as a whole, they don't put up with this nonsense. Well, it just means more. It just means more. It just means more. And so my athletic director was Mitch Barnhart. I mean, from the beginning, he encouraged me, speak your heart. We support you through the entirety, which is an anomaly, I'm realizing. It would just be a disservice to the present female athletes, of course, the past female athletes who fought relentlessly for Title IX, and, and again, the future generation of female athletes who don't yet have a voice and who have no idea the implications this will have on them. Yeah. yeah, and look, it has come at a cost. Just last month, she was assaulted on the campus of San Francisco State University. She was at the school to speak about her views opposing the inclusion of transgender athletes in women's sports. And she told CNN, quote, I was physically assaulted by one person. I was struck twice, both times hitting my shoulder with a second strike raising my face. The rest of the protesters just ambushed and cornered me before I was able to move out with the help and protection of the campus police, end quote. I bet you're thinking Posey Parker right now, eh? It's the tolerant, inclusive left showing their true colours. Now, I'll put a link to the full interview in the description section so you can watch the full interview. It's well worth it. But just before I go, here's another woman speaking up. I'm sure you've heard of Bethany Hamilton or perhaps seen the movie Soul Surfer. At the age of 13, as a rising surf star, she lost, uh, surf star, she lost her left arm to a 14-foot tiger shark, which seemed to end her, end her dream career. But one month after the attack, she returned to surfing and within two years had won her first national surfing title. 
and Bethany's foundation of faith has been her backbone, as we saw in the movie. And at 17 years old, she realised her dream of surfing professionally, and she is still an active surf competitor to this day. And she too is making a stand with Riley Gaines. Here's her short discussion she posted on Instagram, and just have a listen, because she raises some really good questions. Today, I want to address the news that the World Surf League has officially made the rule that male-bodied individuals known as transgender athletes can officially compete in the women's division. The World Surf League says they are following the Olympic guidelines. While I address this issue, I want to be clear that I strive to have love for all of mankind, regardless of any differences. But this concerns me as a professional athlete that has been competing in the World Surf League events for the past 15 plus years. And I feel that I must speak up and stand up for those in position that may feel that they cannot say something about this. I think many of the girls currently on tour are not in support with this new rule and they fear being ostracized if they speak up. So here I go. Questions I have that I want to consider with you. How is this rule playing out in other sports like swimming, running, MMA? Have any of the current surfers in the World Surf League been asked what their thoughts opinion, and opinions are on this new rule before it was passed or announced? Should there be a conversation with the 17 women and all of the men on tour prior to a rule change such as this? Is a hormone level an honest and accurate depiction that someone indeed is a male or female? Is it as simple as this? Who is pushing for this huge change? Does this better the sport of surfing? Is this better for the women in surfing? If so, how? How did whoever decided these hormone rules come to the conclusion that 12 months of testing testosterone make it a fair and legal switch? Why is the WSL's statement um, about trans women competing with, with women and yet there's no mention of converted women competing with men? I personally think that the best solution would be to create a different division so that all can have a fair opportunity to showcase, showcase their passion and talent. And I think it's really hard to imagine the future of women's, what the future of women's surfing will be like in 15 to 20 years down the road if we move forward um, allowing this major change. But we are seeing glimpses of male-bodied dominance in women's sports like running, swimming, and others. My hope is that if I ever have a daughter who is competing in surfing or any sport, and also for all the aspiring young generation of women, to have a bright and promising opportunity in her ambition to be the best of the best women in her sport. I personally won't be competing in or supporting the World Surf League if this rule remains. Thanks. Yeah, well said. Now, uh, finally, at our forum on the family at the end of next month, one of our speakers uh, is Deborah Ackerson. Uh, her maiden name was Lovely, so Deborah Lovely, and she is arguably Australia's most accomplished female weightlifter. She's a two-time Olympiad at Athens and Beijing five times Commonwealth Games representative and medalist and a seven-time world champion representative championship. And Deborah was the first woman inducted into the Australian Weightlifting Federation Hall of Fame. 
Now she experienced the unfairness of being forced to compete against a male in the female category at the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. Guess who? A New Zealander. And she has more recently been speaking on the topic of transgender athletes. So if you enjoyed this McBlog, you'll enjoy hearing her speak at the forum. Register today, forumonthefamily.nz. Mm-hmm.